Well, I want to invite all of you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, chapter 3, as we look at the theme of giving thanks to God, even in the worst of circumstances. Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, as Paul here explains and encourages us to put on the clothing of the new person, the new man of being a child of God who is chosen and beloved of Him. What those characteristics entail, one of them being that of being grateful, being thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and the scriptures read this way. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we begin our study once again. Our Father, we give thanks for your word. For the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever, so declares you in Isaiah. And Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we might see great and mighty things from thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. There was an article last week on NBCNews.com that I was reading And it was an article that really would break anyone's heart as they read it. Because it was about the devastation that has happened in the Philippines in the wake of Typhoon Haiyan. The fourth largest recorded hurricane or typhoon with sustained winds of somewhere around 200 miles per hour recorded. The largest to ever hit land. And the article reads this way. Estancia, Philippines. A heavy rain falls on this devastated fishing town early on Sunday morning. 20-year-old Queenie Lucio hasn't really slept. She looks upward, gripping her younger brother tightly as the water streams into the living room through a car-sized hole in the roof. We're trying to be strong, she says. 
But recovering from Typhoon Haiyan, which made its fifth landfall here as it tore westward through the Philippine Islands almost two weeks ago, has been grueling. Ninety percent of the houses here were damaged or destroyed, according to the mayor. About a hundred local people died, many fishermen trying desperately to save their fishing boats, their livelihoods, through a haze of flies brought on by the proliferation of post-typhoon refuse. Queenie leans over near a pile of debris in front of her house and picks up her old school drawings. Living here in our house is very hard, she says. Besides the busted roof, holes in the wall leave the family vulnerable to the 90-degree estancia heat. The storm destroyed almost all of her possessions. We have no things, she says. Everything was taken away from us. Queenie lives with her parents and three siblings, but since the storm, the house has become a refuge for eight more family members. Relatives displaced from other towns across the island, they sleep four to a bed. The struggle for food and drinkable water is constant. Food arrives regularly from relief charities and the Filipino government, but it never seems to be enough. She'll squeeze a meal for about a dozen family members from six packages of ramen, a few cups of rice, and some small sardines. Their church is having the first Sunday service since the storm, and Queenie's family is going to sing. Quote, it's important to go back, she says, to thank God that we're still alive after the typhoon. Do you note that? The article says Queenie's family is going to sing. It's important to go back there, she says, to thank God that we're still alive after the typhoon, unquote. What kind of an attitude is that? An attitude that sees that whatever good or whatever calamity befalls one, we can still be grateful. In the middle of all of this, how would you respond with a hole in your roof, destitute conditions, four people sleeping and squashed on one mattress, difficulty finding clean water, trying to make the most of six packages of raw men for a dozen or more people? And would you say, we've got to go to church to sing, to give God thanks even after having lost everything, singing their praises to God simply because they're still alive. Sad to say, sad to say, there are many Christians who come, who come to church having everything, all of the creature comforts that God has given and simply have no song in their heart for the Lord because there is no gratitude Thankfulness and gratitude is not just during this season of Thanksgiving. It's not just a day that we remember on the calendar. It is to be a part of the Christian life. It is to characterize a person who is a Christian. In fact, it is non-negotiable for a Christian to be thankful. It is a command of God. As you saw, even 
coming in, there was a verse on the screen that tells us it is a command. For 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you want to be a part of the will of God? Do you want to be following God? Then be a grateful, thankful person, no matter what the circumstances may be. In fact, the Bible in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, tells us that a person who is not grateful is a person who does not know God. It is characteristic of a person who is not a Christian to be ungrateful to God. And so as we look at this book, the book of Colossians, one of the themes throughout the book is that of thanksgiving, of giving thanks to God. And it is a characteristic of a person who is a Christian. In fact, in verses 15 through 17, every single verse, it tells us to give thanks. But Paul begins here to tell us what it is as a preface, to be clothed as a person who is a Christian. What are the characteristics of a person who is a Christian? In verse 12, it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. That's the first thing that we need to recognize. That as a Christian, we have been chosen of God and holy, beloved of God. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 4, tells us just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. You know, I was talking to a woman on an airplane on a flight once, and I had found out she was adopted. And I said, well, was there anything that you did in order to be Chosen by your adopted parents? I was trying to make a point and found out she was adopted as a baby. Of course, the answer would be, no, I didn't do anything. She was helpless. She was abandoned. She was alone. Her parents had given her up. But there was a husband and a wife who saw her, who loved her, who gave her a home, who gave her a family, an education, and a future. And their hopes and dreams for her would that be she would be good and that she would do good things. And that is the same thing about us. God finds us. There's nothing that we did to deserve God choosing us and God adopting us and God's desire for us that we be good and do good. He set us apart. That's what holy means, to be set apart. And beloved, God lavished his love upon us. That is who we are. And therefore, how are we to act? It says there in the verse, put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness and patience. Just as the weather is getting cold outside, whenever you who are kids go outside, what does your mother tell you to do? You better put on a coat. You better put on your hat. You better put on a scarf. And don't forget your gloves because it's cold outside. And you know what? That is what we are to do as Christians every day. We put on a heart of compassion, 
of kindness, of humility, of gentleness. It says here that we're to bear with one another, forgiving one another, not complaining against everyone. Verse 13, is that you? Are you known to be a person who bears with other people, who forgives, does not complain? How do you know if somebody has forgiven somebody else? You can tell because, you know what, they don't bring up the issue again and again. They don't say things like, do you remember what so-and-so did to me? Do you know what you said to me many years ago or months ago? Do you know so-and-so, how they responded to me and they bring up all of these things from the past? You know that that is a heart that is not forgiven, that bears a grudge, or that holds bitterness and resentment. Do you ever go to the refrigerator in the middle of the night looking for something to eat and you open that refrigerator looking for something good and out comes this pungent, putrid smell of something rotting and spoiling and you find out it's somebody's old meat in the back or some milk that has been there for too long. That's what comes out of a heart that has not forgiven because there is sin that is rotting there There is resentment and bitterness that has begun to infect everything about a life. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is what we are to do. We are most like God, it's been said, when we forgive others. And we're not to complain about others either. We're not to complain about so-and-so does this or so-and-so does that. I have this against so-and-so. So the scriptures say in verse 13, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so should you forgive. Every day, our rebellious heart, we sin against God and we come before God and humble ourselves at the end of the day or whenever we sin and we beg for God's forgiveness, so too as God forgives us, we are to forgive others. And beyond that, we put on love, the bond, the perfect bond of unity. Someone shared just a little while ago how it was so wonderful, the unity of the church to come together as God has provided us this beautiful facility That unity comes because of love. But it's broken apart by what? By hearts that might be resentful or bitter or grumbling or grudges or an unforgiving spirit. Unity is broken when there are not good relationships. Loving God and loving other people. Love. To put on love just as we would put on a coat as we go outside. There's no place for animosity, no place for bitterness or resentment, no place for anger or bad feelings or resentment. Instead, we put on love, heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility. And then he responds in verses 15 through 17, verses repeatedly to be thankful people. Be thankful with the peace and the unity of Christ. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it says in verse 15, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. 
The peace of Christ has different nuances. One nuance is to be at peace with Christ. As Christians, when we come and we are children of God, there's no more enmity with God. We are no longer enemies of God. There's no more barrier between us and God because we have received salvation. When a person comes in repentance to God, asking for forgiveness, knowing that they can and do nothing in order to earn salvation, they come and receive eternal life. That barrier is gone, and there is now peace with God, but Christ gives us his peace as well as a fruit of the Spirit. No matter what the circumstances are in life, we can have the peace of Christ. It was almost eight years ago today, just shy, three days before Christmas. Many of you know his name. His name is Tony Dungy. If you watch football, he's one of the commentators. He was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. His 18-year-old son, three days before Christmas, committed suicide near the end of the football season. And at the funeral service, Coach Dungy stood up and he said, God can provide joy in the midst of a sad occasion. The challenge is to find that joy. I urge you not to take your relations for granted. Parents, hug your kids each chance you get. Tell them that you love them each chance you get. You don't know when it's going to be the last time. He last saw his son at Thanksgiving. He was rushing to get to the airport, and he didn't have a chance to hug his son goodbye. Those people who are thankful are people who are able to see good where others will see negative during difficult times. You see, James Dungy was Tony's oldest son. And he spoke. He spoke of the lessons Tony did, the positives that he took from that experience. He said it was tough. It was very, very painful. But as painful as it was, there were some good things that came out of it. I met a guy the next day after the funeral, Dungy said. He said, I was there. I heard you talking. I took off work today. I called my son. I told him I was going to take him to the movies. We're going to spend time and go to dinner. That was a real blessing to me. Dungy said he had gotten many letters since James's death relaying similar things, messages. People heard what I said and they said, hey, you brought me a little closer to my son or you brought me a little closer to my daughter. That is a tremendous blessing. He said that his son's organs were donated through an organ donor program and they got a letter back two weeks ago with two people who had received his corneas, and now they can see. That's been a tremendous blessing. He said he received a letter from a girl from the family's church in Tampa. She had known James, his son, for many years. She went to the funeral because she knew James, and he says this. She said, When I saw what happened at the funeral and your family, 
and the celebration and how it was handled, this was the first time I realized there had to be a God. I accepted Christ into my life, and my life's been different since that day. Dungey said that was an awesome blessing, and all of these things kind of made me realize what God's love is all about. He was also asked how he was able to return to being a coach so quickly after his son's suicide. He returned just one week later, and he said, people ask me, how did you recover so quickly? And he said, I'm not totally recovered. I don't know that I ever will be. It's still very, very painful. But I was able to come back because of something one of my good Christian friends said to me after the funeral. He said, you know, James accepted Christ into his heart, so you know he's in heaven, right? I said, right. I know that. He said, so with all you know about heaven, if you had the power to bring him back now, would you? When I thought about it, I said, no, I wouldn't. I would not want to bring him back with what I know about heaven. That's what helped me through the grieving process because of Christ's spirit in me. I had the confidence that James is there at peace with God, and I have the peace of mind in the midst of something that is very, very painful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as you've been called, the scriptures say, and be thankful, and be thankful. Secondly, be thankful with the word and the worship of Christ. Be thankful with the word and the worship of Christ. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Letting the word of Christ dwell richly within your mind and with your heart is synonymous to being spirit-filled. Because when you're filled and you're controlled by the Spirit of God, your thoughts are filled with biblical truth from the Word of God. It is evidence of the Spirit filling. The parallel passage in Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father. The result of a mind and a heart that is filled with the Word of God sings with thankfulness to God. Your heart wants to praise God. Your heart wants to sing to God and there is joy in your life. That's a gratitude that loves life because of the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter if you sound good or if you don't sound good vocally because the scriptures there in the text says what? Singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. This morning, does your heart sing? Is there a singing? Does your heart sing with gratitude to God? Does your heart desire to praise God? Are you grateful? 
Years ago, when I was in the Philippines, the missionaries there kept me very, very busy. Each and every day, I had the opportunity to preach somewhere, to teach somewhere, from a class and a church, to training missionaries, to local workers, etc., at a pastor's conference. There were daily opportunities to serve God. And after every conference or class or whatever it may be, there were people who were thankful. But do you know who the most thankful people were? They weren't the missionaries. They weren't the local Christian workers. They weren't the people in the church. The people who were the most appreciative, the most hungry, were those people that I had the opportunity to minister into in the prisons, in a seminar. I came to give a day seminar and the men in the place would pack the room full. There were people in the doorways and into the hallways and they came to know Christ, you see. They had a little church within the prison and they were studying the scriptures to train not only to minister to other prisoners there, but after they would be released, they would be able to go and be witnesses for Christ. They would come and they would, they would learn. Some were thieves. They had stolen things. Some were, were accused of embezzlement. And one man was accused of, of murdering his own mother. But God was gracious and he saved their souls. And they came and their singing would fill the room. The worship that they had in the middle of the teaching, a man would stand up right in the middle and he began to reiterate his sins as I talked about forgiveness. And he said, I did this, I did that, and my wife was like this, etc., etc. And he said, can God forgive me? And I said, yes, God can forgive anyone comes to him. The room erupted in cheers and applause to God for the grace of God. They all knew they were guilty. They all knew they were sinners. Yes, God can forgive you. But they were thankful for a forgiving God. And afterwards, they would line up. They would line up in order to say thank you. And I'm sure they would have done this for anyone who would have come. But their hunger for the word of God and their gratitude for the word of God eclipsed any other that I had when I ministered there. Because they are in their mind's eye, it didn't matter what their circumstances were. They were grateful. They were grateful to be free. For the truth set them free. What kind of attitude do you have? Do you let the word of Christ richly dwell within you so that your heart sings with gratitude towards God, looking forward to the word of God? Lastly, be thankful in all that you do. In everything that you do, whether in word or deed, verse 17, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Without exception, in everything that you do, whether it is washing dishes or vacuuming the floor, whether it is rake leaves or painting or cleaning, whatever it is, do you give thanks to God? Not out of reluctance or bitterness or resentment, not out of complaining or obligation, but because you want to serve God. Is that you? Or do you have the opposite attitudes of complaining or discontentment? It comes in when we easily we compare ourselves to others. Or we have our own thoughts about what it should be. 
If you serve Christ here in this ministry, don't think to yourself, why am I the only one serving here? No, you think, wow, I have the privilege, the time, and the ability to serve my God as a slave of Christ. Or if you give, don't think to yourself, oh, how come others don't give more? Or how come others don't whatever? Say, I'm thankful that I have been given more than I deserve and I have the opportunity to share. If you sacrifice for the Lord, why do I have to do this? Don't think that. Think I get to do this. And what an honor it is to serve Christ. And the attitude ought to be as Jesus in the parable said in Luke 17, 10. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded of you, say, quote, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. In everything we do, in all circumstances, are you grateful? Are you thankful? And we give praise to God? Do you see yourself as an undeserving child of God, chosen, lavished by the love of God? Are you compassionate and forgiving, thankful to God regardless of your life circumstances? Like Coach Dungy, even if you were to lose your own child, would you give thanks for the good things that have come out of it? If you lost everything and there were flies and you had to make do with whatever you had to eat, would you say, you know what, we've got to go to church, sing, and give God thanks like Queenie and her family who said it is important to go back there to thank God. I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful, and one of the things I'm grateful for is this church body, as some of you have already expressed. I'm thankful for the inward desire of people to desire to learn the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to think carefully about what the Word of God says and to discern the truth. And there are all sorts of questions people have or things they want to study because they want to grow, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful, too, for the ministries and the service, all of the things that people do here. There are certainly areas, many areas, that we can improve on, but we look at the shortcomings as challenges, and I'm thankful for all those who serve. I'm thankful for the dozen or so people who compose our worship ministry, and the dozen or so people who rotate in and out of our AV ministry, or the dozen or so ushers that switch on and off every couple of months. All those who serve in talk time, there's about 10 of them. And there are about 30 people who are part of the rotating church care team who come weekly to vacuum and clean. There are 35 or so that serve as children's ministry teachers and assistants from the nursery on up and about 45 people who rotate bringing Sunday refreshments, who set up, who clean up each Sunday, and that doesn't include all who are part of the small group ministries who teach youth Sunday school, who teach adult Sunday school, who lead the men's and women's fellowship, and all of the many others, the officers, the deacons, and every other part of this church. There are many that make the church a functioning body, and I am so very grateful to any and all 
And I think of 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3, where Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and he says, I thank God always. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus in the presence of our God and Father. What a blessing it is to be a part of a body where we serve God together, where we have the opportunity to give and make God's church all the more glory to Him, and we give God thanks. And I pray that thankfulness will characterize you no matter what your life situation is, no matter how difficult it may be, that you can give God thanks always and forever for His grace is upon us. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. And I pray, O oh Father, that we might clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. And Father, in humility, we look to you, knowing, O oh God, that we do not deserve any of the good things which you have given to us. It is by your hand of grace. And we pray, Father, that we might ever be grateful, even when things, O oh Father, may not be going well in our eyes. Father, for you can take any situation and redeem it for your glory. We pray, O oh God, that we might be able to see things from your vantage point, that we might be thankful in all circumstances, for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.